Welcome to this special edition of Outstanding in the Field, the U.S. Geological Survey's podcast series produced by the Ecosystems Mission Area. Today we bring you a special edition where we will be highlighting stories from the Alaska Voices podcast, a partnership between the U.S. Geological Survey's Alaska Climate Adaptation Science Center and the University of Alaska Fairbanks. This series is a place for communities to connect through conversation in order to build a better tomorrow. I'm Bob Bolton. Originally, I grew up in Gakona, Alaska. Tionic. Egypt. Idaho. Rampart. St. Lawrence Island. St. Paul. And I'm here with my student. My science buddy. My teacher. My homie. I'm his daughter. My name is Victor Ternutsuk Jr. I'm 31 years old. And I'm speaking with uh, Ryan. And my name's uh, Ryan Tui. I am 40 years old, and I'm speaking with Victor, a friend and collaborator. Can you tell people what Kotlik's like and where where it's at? Kotlik is located on the north mouth of the Yukon Delta. It's a Yupik Eskimo community in rural Alaska. We are a uh, community that still practice and rely on a subsistence and fishing lifestyle. So yeah, you guys are like right on the edge of Alaska and staring off into the the Bering Sea there. And a lot of the stuff that comes to Kotlik comes in by barge, right? Yes, yeah. barge and by plane. So that's one of the reasons that the fish and the moose are important. Yes. Did you have a particular story that you wanted to tell? Yeah, my late father, Victor Tunutsuk Sr., he talked to me about the changes from when he was a child from his uh, last days on earth in wow. uh, Kotlik. We lived there our whole lives, probably five to eight generations. One one of the things that he shared with me was sea level rise. He mentioned that Kotlik never really used to experience flooding. We had river ice jams. Storms weren't really an issue back then. I'd say within the last 20 years, maybe about 15 of those years, we've seen um, a lot of uh, changes in our climate with floods, erosions, the fall storms are a lot intense. You guys had a pretty substantial flood, was it three or four years ago? Yes, it was in uh, November of 2013. I think it was like a 15 mile radius of how far the uh, water and ice came in. So we're about five miles up the river from the ocean. Some of our lakes are drying out. Places where swamp, they're drying out. In the past, our freeze-ups would occur in like the middle part of October. But nowadays, we're starting to see our freeze-ups like during November. And we start to see earlier spring thaws uh, warmer winters. Our ice is not as thick as it used to be in the past. We're not getting as much snow as we used to. Why does it matter if you don't have any snow or thick ice? It takes the ice a little bit longer to get thick enough for us to walk on, mm-hmm. to go out and put our nets under the ice. Those were one of the changes my dad talked about too. You know, where we go out and put our nets a little bit later than the past. And what are you guys catching during the wintertime? We set our nets out to catch a sea fish. It's a white fish. It gets maybe about like three and a half feet big. 
in spring and summer, seals come into the river. The way we hunt seals, we still um, practice an ancient uh, method of hunting. We use a spear. It's made out of uh, driftwood. We carve it into a long, narrow stick-like. At the end of the spear, we put feathers on there to you know, help make it spin, fly. Some use ivory for their tip points. Nowadays, we start to use brass because they stay sharp. We throw the spear with the uh, spear thrower, which is also made out of uh, driftwood. When it's fall time, we go out into the ocean when, when it's starting to form ice. But when we go out to the ocean, we use um, guns and uh, harpoon. Harpoon, it's like the spear, but it's thicker. We don't use uh, spear throwers for the harpoons. We just uh, hold it in our uh, hand. It can be dangerous for some who haven't really experienced hunting like that. We gain our skills and our knowledge at a young age when our dad or uncles, grandpas bring us out. They talk to us about you know, the times, when to go out, what to look for, how to um, read the weather. There's a lot of connection with St. Michael's, right? Yeah, Stebbins and St. Michael's. And Michael's. Mm-hmm. One of the relationships we have with um, Stebbins and St. Michael's are uh, annual potlatches that we have every year oh, in yeah. March. And can you describe a little bit of like what goes on at a potlatch? We have potlatches to celebrate, for instance, if a boy caught his first seal or if a girl picked berries for the first time, mm-hmm. their parents or their grandparents, they would introduce them at the potlots, honoring them. Our uh, first-time dancers, the ones that they present, some of them carry the names of those who have passed on wow. and they uh, present them. After they introduce them, they pass out uh, gifts to our uh, guests who come from uh, Stebbins, St. Michael, other nearby communities like Imanak, Alaknak, Nunam. And on the second night of the potlots, they um, pass out native foods that they gather, like um, the cephas. The cephas that they get soon as the ice is thick enough to go on and set the nets under the river. Mm-hmm. We collect them and store them in our sheds. And that's one of our trades that we do with um, Stebbins, trading uh, our seafish with their uh, reindeer. Oh, neat. And, yeah. Wow. But when we have our uh, potlatches, it's a two-day event. Wow. Two days of uh, dancing and singing. Wow. Um, some of our elders are starting to wonder how we're going to get to the potlatch. You know, they think about these changes. Because you know, the these, sea ice is gone. Yeah, the sea ice is gone. When we travel up to St. Michael or Stebbins, we go out onto the uh, Norton Sound on the coastline. And when tides come in, you know, that water pushes up and, you know, it affects our uh, trail on the coastline. And right. Where we have to cross the sloughs and creeks, you know, they're filled, filled up with water. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if the ocean freezes out, we use the ocean trail. Oh, but yeah. the ocean is not uh, freezing as it used to. My dad and our elders... They would um, say our grass growth depends on uh, how much snow we have. The way I remembered my community in the past when I was young, it was um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful before we lost a lot of uh, ground to erosion. 
so tall. The grass used to be. We'd um, go run around and play in the grass, get lost in the grass. That's one thing I remembered, the grass being so tall, not like how it is today. Alaska Voices builds bridges by creating a space where community members, friends, policymakers, and scientists can share stories and play space knowledge. This project was developed in partnership with StoryCorps and was funded by the U.S. Geological Survey's Alaska Climate Adaptation Science Center. Additional funding was provided by the University of Alaska Fairbanks Chancellor through a generous gift from the Bentley Family Trust. Alaska Voices would not be possible without the help and efforts of an amazing group of people. Our producer and audio engineer is Kelsey Skomberg of Mossy Stone Media. Our podcast and outreach specialist is Michael DeLue. And our website designer is Carolyn Rosner. If you are interested in more conversations or information, please visit our website at alaskavoices.org.